And welcome to the latest Royal Roundup from Talk TV. So pop the kettle on, this is the Royal Tea. I'm Daisy McAndrew. On the show this week, portraits for all. Is the government really giving everyone free pictures of the king? Plus, find out which royal would rather watch the coronation on the box. And talking of the coronation, it's only a month away now and we still don't know if Harry and Meghan are going to be there. Joining me to discuss all that and much more, royal commentator and talk TV regular Afia Hagen, The Sun's royal editor Matt Wilkinson and the royal editor of The Daily Mirror, Russell Myers. Now, King Charles has for the first time signalled his support for more research into the royal family's historical links with slavery after the emergence of a document showing his predecessor's stake in a slave trading company. Afia, Buckingham Palace says Charles takes this issue very, very seriously. Yes. They've also said that he is giving his, his blessing to more research on this matter. What's the significance of that and where might this story take us? How might it end? Well this is hugely significant because this particular document that was dug up by her, a historian who's doing some research into a book um, about the royal family's links to slavery shows um, a transfer of a thousand pounds in shares to King William III from Edward Colston and Edward Colston uh, of course we know is the the notorious slaver I think we can call him and the one whose statue was, was in Bristol yes down. in 2020 um, and so the fact that this shows an actual document showing transfers of shares from the con a company that enslaved people from the continent of Af Africa to the royal family shows in black and white direct links between the royal family and profit from enslaving people. Now this is something that we've always known and suspected for so long but this particular document in black and white is very, very damning. Now, like you said, King Charles has said in the past um, that he, you know, has uh, what stain enslaving people has been on the world, that his distress over it. He talks about it in Ghana, at Port um, Elamina, where slaves used to go through this tiny, tiny door, enslaved people that were taken from Ghana. You know, there's a very, very significant port that he spoke at in November 2018. And then last year in Rwanda as well, he talked about it as well, that it was a deep stain, his deep distress and sorrow. There's never been an apology from the royal family for enslaving people, for profiting for that, for the fact that their wealth is built on enslaving people. And there needs to be an apology. There needs to now be an acknowledgement that we were part of this, we made our fortune from this, and we are sorry because it doesn't tie in with the multicultural con countries that we deem to reign over. And we also need to have real proper discussion, sensible discussion about reparations because enslaving people from a continent, the brain drain, the loss of family, the loss of earnings for those people and the profits that the royal family gained from that is something that absolutely needs to be addressed in a sensible fashion and in a fashion that um, remunerates the countries that enslaved people were taken from. Matt, what do you think the attitude of the royals behind closed doors is to this issue? Is it something they want to brush under the carpet? Is it something they want to talk about openly? 
reparations? Is that really going to, could that possibly happen? I think it's quite obvious they do not want to brush under the carpet. They're very happy to talk about it, as you say. Charles did speak about it in Ghana, but also William spoke about it in Jamaica. Um, I spoke about his profound sadness about, about what happened. And they're very keen to get it out in the open and talk about the history. I mean, this project's incredibly significant, I think. And it comes uh, recently, we were told that Charles was having open discussions about slavery. So he was actually behind the scenes having discussions with academics, with people who knew about the history to see what he could couldn't do. And there was talk in the past that he wanted to have, like we have a National Holocaust Memorial Day, that he wanted a, a, a national day to kind of sear it into the consciousness of the public. And you think, well, that was it's a great idea. And what can he do? And that's something that he has chosen to, you know, hopefully push forward in the next couple of years. Uh, and Russell, this isn't just about historical ties to slavery. Of course, particularly to a lot of the younger generation, there is a stain on the royal family at the moment that perhaps they are racist now because of all the stories that have come out about uh, Meghan Markle particularly. So this is something that the royal family presumably needs to tackle. Definitely. <coughs> I think uh, you know, both raising perfect points about how it is very, very much in the open. It's got to be front and centre of his reign. And I think King Charles is looking at what his legacy will be. Of course, he's not going to have as long as a uh, reign as his mother. So he's got a very short window uh, of, of time in order to, to make that difference. And those conversations that he is having, that potential for the, the day of uh, commemoration, I think, and remembrance of what so many people do go through. And of course, the conversations are happening every day. I mean, in Jamaica, the, the discussions about becoming a republic, and mm -hmm. um, discussion on the backdrop of that, the, the reparations uh, of slavery, needs to, uh, needs to be tackled. And I think the next time that the royal family do go, it depending on who it is, they will have to, to, have to answer those questions. And I think we're going to talk about this weekend now because it's the royal family's first Easter, of course, without the Queen. And it'll also mark the first time the Prince and Princess of Wales will take all three children, including little Louis, to the traditional Easter Sunday service at St George's Chapel. What could possibly go wrong? And on Monday, Thursday, the King and Queen Consort undertook another first in their own right, handing out Maundy money at York Minster. Um, Matt, obviously they, they did do this last year, but on behalf of the Queen. So this is now the first time that the King um, has uh, handed out Maundy money as the monarch. What is, what are the coins? What's the significance? What's it all about? Well, we talk about the, the, the king looking towards the future and what he can do, you know, for his legacy, but he's also looking back into centuries of royal regalia here. It started back in uh, 1210 when King John first did it in Yorkshire, in Knaresborough, and the idea it's to do with the, the Last Supper where Jesus washed pensioners' feet, and so they provide coins to historically pensioners, but it's local people who have carried out good acts um, in the local community and uh, it's, it's a coin or it's two coins four coins in total for every or 74 uh, people marking uh, the king's age so you've got coins to represent the, um, the, the hospitality and gift of food from the monarch the generosity but also touching on what we were talking about earlier there's also coins to commemorate not just his age but also the 75th anniversary of uh, the Windrush, uh, the arrival of the Windrush, so they're touching on that. The only thing I'll, I'll say about it is these are specially minted coins um, and it's a lot cheaper now because obviously the coin, you know, they're only 74 compared to what we had yes, 90s back in the day. But um, it's something that, you know, he's keen to keep going. It's now 
the Queen changed the rules and it travels around the country now. It used to just be in London um, and now in, in York today. And I think, as I say, he's very keen to continue these traditional parts of, of his kingship. And Ed Russell, I'm guessing for, for picture editors and royal editors like yourself, Easter provides lots of copy, lots of photographs of the royal family. And this year you're going to have a little Louis yes, as well. Yes, yeah, well, it's a stole the show during the Queen's, yeah. late Queen's Platinum Jubilee. I think it's really uh, something that people are gasping to see, the, the whole family coming yeah. together. There's been a lot of scandal and infighting of this family and the chance for, for, the, for the coronation, starting a new era, what do the, the family represent? And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see. Yeah, well, I think we'll all be watching uh, for Louis' behaviour or bad behaviour or good behaviour. Um, now, moving on, new government plans to offer everyone portraits of the king have proved a little controversial. Oliver Dowden, the cabinet office minister, said the move was part of plans to celebrate the new reign. But one critic said ministers were losing the plot amid the cost of living crisis and shrinking Whitehall budgets. That This is costing £8 million and we're told, Russell, that... Every government building, you know, official building is going to get one of these portraits. I can see why it's sticking in the craw of mm. some people. Having said that, we've always had pictures of the monarch in, in sort of town halls and places like that. Is it such a big deal? Yeah, I think it is. I th it's, it's certainly worth the conversation because, as Matt said earlier, the king has to look forward but also have an appreciation to the history. And there is certain precedent here that, that we've always had pictures of the monarch in uh, local government buildings, police stations, schools. Uh, and this money would have been um, put, put aside for, for this to happen. However, in a cost of living crisis, £8 million is an awful lot of money. The government is saying that they can't afford to give teachers, nurses, uh, you know, our, our public servants proper pay rises. Uh, and, uh, and with the backdrop of that, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fit well, I think. I think it's slightly unfortunate. This clearly was a government decision, and yet the criticism is, is being aimed at the royal family. Isn't that a little bit unfair? Not really. I think, it, like Russell so rightly said, in a cost of living crisis, people at this point um, don't really care where the money is coming from. They just don't want eight million pounds to go towards pictures of King Charles III going out to every public building when you have people in the passport office on strike, teachers, nurses. It's a real feeling that that eight million pounds could be put to better use. Now, if we do want these pictures to go out and we do want a picture of the monarch in government buildings, town halls and, you know, whatever, hospitals, whatever, why don't the royal family pay for it? There's already been a hundred million pounds shelled out for the coronation. Well, we don't know. So the well, estimates are between estimate. fifty and hundred. It's quite a, a big gap. It's a huge amount of money, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think another eight million pounds on pictures. The government buildings that receive them are told are being told they're getting them for free. But obviously, there's postage and packaging and a frame more, and all the rest of it. Completely aware of the royal family's finances now that they may have not been in future yeah. in past generations. And with the you know the the non. Uh, tax pays on the inheritance that King Charles has just received on the Queen's fortune of £650 million, then it's, it's definitely worth the conversation as people become more educated. But let's not be killjoys here. I'm sure there's lots and lots of people who would like a, sure, a picture yeah, and a portrait yeah. of our head of state and the King who does a, a lot for our community, does a lot for the country, does a lot for British PLC and stuff like that. There's a lot of, let's not be killjoys. A lot of people want these pictures, a lot want these portraits in their buildings, and I, 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 I don't see a problem with it, quite but frankly. But shouldn't the royal family pay for it rather than the government pay for well, it? Well, it's a government project, so if the royal family said that we want uh, portraits of the king in every building, then of course 
they'll pay for it. But the government have said, we're going to put these portraits in every building. I in mean, every building, I would love if everybody had a portrait of me in their <laughs> building. I think that would really brighten up a lot of offices. But I will pay How for much? that. Um, I mean, I think a fiver. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. I think at five million pounds, I'll send out a picture of myself to everyone. We'll make it happen. Good plan. Now, as the coronation draws nearer every week, we'll update you with all the latest news and announcements coming from the palace. This is Coronation Check-In. Now, the first glimpse of the coronation invitation shows us the official use of Queen Camilla, marking the transition from the title of Queen Consort. And her grandchildren will be among the pages at Westminster Abbey, alongside the king's grandson, Prince George. So lots to get our teeth stuck into. Let's just talk about the fact that Camilla has gone from consort mm -hmm. to the queen. I mean, thinking back to when they got married, she was going to be princess consort. So she's, mm -hmm. she's gone through a few titles or a few prospective titles. Matt, what does this really mean as far as, as, far as Camilla is concerned, as far as Charles is concerned? And, and will the public take this to heart or is it going to stick in the core? Well, two things. I think it shows that Charles has got what he wants. I think Charles wanted Camilla to be queen. I think she, in many ways from what we see in the last 15, 20 years, she has deserved it. She's put her head down. She's worked. She's been with Charles. She's supported him. She's enabled him to become the king that he is now. Um, she hasn't spoken out. She hasn't really put a foot wrong. Whether people will accept her, um, I think there are people from a certain age, uh, like my mum, for instance, is she's not my queen. I was getting comments on when I posted it on Twitter. Because they support Diana. Diana. They still, because, yeah. you know, I think there's a, enough time now, it's in 1997, 1990, that, that Diana died. It was a long, long time ago, but there are a lot of people that still remember what happened. Remember the, the journey that Camilla's made from being the, the third woman in a, in a marriage um, to, as you say, marrying, becoming princess consort, queen consort, and now to become queen. That's, queen. That's quite a journey, and people remember the 90s. Well, it's a, it's a remarkable transition of what she's been gone through. Uh, a PR yeah. masterclass, yeah. really, because we've come a long way of the days that she was being chased around supermarkets and people screaming in her face. Yeah. And, and, and as Matt says, she should be commended for rolling her sleeves up, putting, getting her head down very much behind the scenes. I mean, look at the, the, the topics that she's tackled recently, domestic violence mm -hmm. in women. It was absolutely unheard of, unthinkable for yeah. a member of the royal family to be discussing that. We, we know about Kate's been doing a lot of stuff with early years, but Camilla's work with literacy within yeah. children has gone under the radar a lot of the time, and it's a fantastic project. And osteoporosis. Absolutely, yeah, and the things that, that she has personal experience, fam mm -hmm. family experience with. So, um, again, it, I think it's a generational divide here. Mm -hmm. I don't think the younger generation... Yeah, are, are, are fairly ambivalent about it. They'll probably say, well, surely she should be the queen if he's the king. It won't yeah. be that, that much of a discussion. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly very interesting to see the... the I mean, Afir, just picking up on what Matt was saying, you know, this is obviously what the king has always wanted. He yeah. clearly you know, loves Camilla, wants her to get the respect mm -hmm. that he thinks she deserves. My view is we know the king can be quite grumpy, and Camilla seems to be the one person yeah. who can degrump him, ungrump yeah. her, cheer him up. And so if making her queen is going to make him happier, in my view, a happy monarch is a better monarch. So I'm all in favour of that. I mean, it, she 100% deserves the crown for putting up with that level of grumpiness, <laughs> like a million percent. But like Russell said, it's an absolute 
PR masterclass. Like, they should genuinely teach classes in how this happened. It's incredible. In rehabilitation. Absolutely. Yeah. From being, you know, the mistress to the queen. You, you couldn't it's even write it. Well. Yeah, 26 yeah. years. And, you know, in 1997, us having a discussion about Charles ascending to the throne with Queen Camilla by his side when his approval rating was in single digits, we would all have been hysterical. We'd have been laughing because it was so far from any sort of imagination. And yes, you know, it, it, if we if we want to get down to the bare bones of it, you know, the word queen comes from an old English word, quan, which means wife of the king. So if we're just getting down to the technicalities, she is the queen. Yeah. She's Queen Camilla. It's interesting what you said about your mum, because my mum said exactly the right. same thing. Not my queen. Not my my mum's yeah. like huge Princess Diana fan, also a huge fan of Queen Elizabeth II. And I think, you know, in the days after the queen died, we... I think all of us really had issues of what do we call Camilla, Queen Consort, yeah. and it didn't. It doesn't roll off the tongue. I think for a lot of people, it still doesn't roll and off of the course, tongue. And of course, that's what the palace said. They said they are now saying, and whether they're rewriting recent history, they're saying they wanted her to be in Queen Consort in those immediate few months after the Queen died, because going from you know, our, the Queen being Queen Elizabeth to the Queen being mm. Camilla was just too much of a jolt. It was yeah. too shocking yeah. uh, for most of us. And so having a bit of a transition where she was the Queen Consort and then she becomes the Queen and it's been And it's been drip-fed as well. Yeah. We saw that you know her, the Queen's reading room was quietly slipped out and then it yeah. you know, becoming a bit more palatable. I think if, the people who are going to have problems with it are people like another generation of our parents. And of course that generation will also have problems with the fact that the Queen is a divorced woman uh, because that's you know, th that's a struggle f for many people but of course that brings us to the second element that we found out this week because we've got very much this uh, her family uh, as in her grandchildren being involved now officially um, and Charles's grandchildren being involved officially that's very new you know traditionally pages would have been a role that would have been given rather like you know camilla chose to have some friends rather than duchesses as her, her ladies in waiting you know she's doing things her own way again isn't she well it's it's kind of the the sort of um interpretation of a modern monarchy and what does it mean i mean the terms blended family has been been used as well and that's that's very very modern that terminology being used in this archaic institution but it is that because uh, camilla's chosen three of her grandchildren uh, a great nephew as well to be alongside some of the pages of honour. We still don't know what her, her other two uh, granddaughters are going to be performing some sort of duty, we imagine. But um, I, I think, it, again, like you said, it would be uh, normally a, a, a position for the, no for the nobility. Yes, and for the proper aristos. Yes, and, and the, the fact that they've sort of been sidelined and we're going to see a few more normal people uh, in this coronation. I, I, I like some, some of the details. I didn't realise that the pages have uniforms, outfits that are handed down. And so you can only be a page if you fit into those. Five foot six. Yeah, so, 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 so yeah, these, uh, yeah, these yeah. uniforms are, are, turn, uh, you know, are, are handed down generation to generation. So you're chosen, but you have to be the right shape and the right size to, to fit into them. But it'll be, it'll be amazing to see that those, as you said, yeah. the blended sort of modern royal family yeah. coming together with the two sides. But a modern royal family in, it's sort of juxtaposed with this ancient ceremony yeah. that the outfits have been handed down since like 9 BC or whatever <laughs> you know in this in this really archaic almost um, occasion that we're well, we were see. promised that it would reflect 
or it would pay tribute to the history and the traditions of the royal family, but also reflect the more 21st century modern makeup. And this is an example of, of, that. of that totally. Um, and we've seen a new official photograph released this week of uh, Camilla and Charles. Uh, Camilla very resplendent in blue, taken by the photographer who's going to be the official photographer uh, for the coronation. What do we make of the new snap? I mean, they look happy and relaxed, great in blue. Blue looks gorgeous on both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice, a nice prelude to the coronation, I think. And Matt, what about the design of the invitation, which we've seen uh, this week? Very floral, lots of flora and fauna, very Charles, very green. It is. It, it looks like a, an English meadow. You know, it looks like a, a spring kind of garden you might see out the window at Highgrove or something like that. But it's so ornate, you've got and, uh, the, the different types can of flowers. I can I know you all the flowers. Yeah. There's wild strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's lily of the valley, which was in Megan and yeah. uh, Kate's wedding bouquets. Yeah. Um, there is a wren, there's I'm a robin. <laughs> I can know there's a, there's a lion, a unicorn, a yeah. bee, a robin. I mean, it's the green and the green man. The green man, which is you know, talking about rebirth. Mm -hmm. And with, this is, again, a new era the chance to start something afresh. Mm. Um, and I think that's what he's trying to, 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 to purvey in, these, in, these, in this infancy of his reign. Is Charles the green man? <laughs> is that what we're saying? Because he's a yeah, very environmentally friendly yeah. man. Is he but the green pagan, man at the bottom? It's a pagan It is, it's difficult. But, but it's, it's also very much used in churches. You, you see it around churches and church buildings. You do see the green man often as well. And it's definitely much more colorful than I thought it would be. Mm. I thought it would just be like cream and gold. And it's, it's, I thought it was cute, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, well, well one person who did get or will be getting one of those invitations but won't be accepting is President Biden because we now know that he will not be attending the coronation but it's been confirmed that the US First Lady Dr Jill Biden will be among the 2000 guests at Westminster Abbey. Russell this is a sort of give with one hand and take with another there has been some sort of criticism people saying that you know President Biden is snubbing the king is he really snubbing the king no I don't think so I think Eisenhower didn't go to uh, the, the late Queen's coronation uh, he's going to have a representative in the, in the form of his wife uh, and I think that we have to have an appreciation for his age I mean he's a, Biden is 80 years old he's uh, he's traveling over to Northern Ireland in the coming weeks I think his representatives st do think that that is a bit too much traveling for a man of his age, even though we, we're led to believe he's going to fight the next election. So uh, I don't think a, a snubbing, some discussion about his Irish roots or what have you, but respectful for him to come to the funeral of, uh, of the late Queen. But, there was but also this is different. At the funeral, he uh, allegedly, we don't know, mm. but it was said that uh, some of the people working with him were, were a little bit put off that he was sat behind other yeah. European the presidents. Yeah, the, he was a couple of seats back than he enough. thought he was, uh, or we thought that he should have well, been. They're all related, so that's probably why they were in the family. Section. It was significant that he's accepted an invitation for a state visit, and of course that that yeah. is a that that's a big deal, and that's probably more important because that's where um, you know soft power and diplomacy comes into play. That's when real discussions will be had. So I think yeah, it's definitely more important that he um, partakes in a state visit than the coronation. Dr. Joe Biden will be there. I think that's representation enough. And of course, we know that Jill Biden and Kate. Uh, Princess Catherine are are very close these days. They've they've worked together on mm. early learning and intervention and so on in in early years. So it'd be interesting to see if 
if they make some time when Jill Biden's over here. I can imagine sure that they, they, sure they, they might go and visit, visit yeah. a school, do something like that. Very good uh, to, to slightly um, enhance Catherine's reputation now as really somebody who can take on those issues. Yeah, I think a, lo a lot of the family will be waiting to after the coronation to sort of release what the next stage of their, their, their platforms are. And of course, somebody we now know who doesn't expect to be invited to get one of those ornate invitations to King Charles's coronation next month is Sarah Ferguson. She's even admitted that she'd prefer to watch the ceremony on TV anyway. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? We are hearing a lot more from Fergie than yeah. before. Uh, interesting that she said no, she doesn't expect an invitation. She's happy to you know, watch it in a onesie on, <laughs> on her sofa. Do we really think she's not secretly hoping for an invitation? I genuinely think that Sarah Ferguson is just like, it's it's whatever. I mean, she is literally everywhere at the moment. She's chatting a lot. She has a lot to say. Um, and I think she's just kind of realised that she's in her kind of own zone at the moment. This is her wheelhouse, is writing her romance novels, talking about how she wants to support Prince Andrew and not getting invited to the coronation. That is That is the zone that she's in. And she's happy to be there. I genuinely think she's not that bothered. Although, you know, if reports are to be believed, she's about to be made homeless or moved into you know, downsized. Yeah. We know that she still lives at Royal Lodge with Prince Andrew. We're, we understand that maybe they're going to be asked to vacate that 30-room uh, house. So do you think this could be her way of saying, please love me, please, please, don't, keep, evict, please, please don't evict me? Please keep me on side as yeah. well. I mean, she is the breadwinner of the family now. She's she had a, a yeah. remarkable turnaround. Talk about PR masterclass. She's done it herself. She is still very, very popular uh, in, in, in the public's eye because they is see she? as yeah I think she, they see as a great survivor mm. I mean this is an institution is that chews survivor. up and spits yeah. people out and and, uh, and I think once you scratch the surface of it as is happening in so many aspects now she is the one sort of constant role that she's managed to yeah. to still keep her head around and that. of course she's got the corgis she has the corgis yeah. and she's yeah. been having some strange conversations about the corgis on yeah. on television the recently as well yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, listen, she's great value, Fergie. She is great value. I'm not surprised that she's not going to the coronation. No. Um, if she, was, she was cast out for about 30 years, but she did attend the Queen's funeral, I and, think. And apparently and it was Philip who really struggled with her. So once Philip had died, because yeah, so the, the, Queen, the Queen and Fergie were always quite close. Mm. As, as, as she's telling everybody at the moment about how, <laughs> you know, in the Queen's final moments, she was still saying, you know, I'll, I'll look after your son. And that is... It's interesting, she's, she's so loyal to Andrew that she's prepared to make public statements like this and, uh, and get away with it. Now, the other thing she's said uh, this week is that um, if you step away from being a working role, you can't have it both ways. You can't be expect to be invited to weddings. So she wasn't talking about coronation. Was she talking about herself and Andrew there? Was she making a dig at, at Harry and Meghan? What was the subplot of that? I think probably both to be honest. I mean, she's talking about her own experience over the years, that you, you can't expect to have it both ways, but she's definitely referring to Harry and Meghan there as well, because, you know, they've stepped back as working well, so it applies to them. A bit of common sense, I thought, yeah. because she, she's, she's gone on record before by saying that uh, she, she doesn't have a bad word to say about them, and I think she probably has quite a lot of sympathy with their plight, mm. because that happened to her. She was exiled, she knew exactly what it's like. But it, it is common sense. You, you can't have that. That's exactly what they were told in the first instance. And, um, and, and you know, we're still waiting to see whether they, they are in and out of the coronation. Well, exactly. Talking of uh, Harry and Meghan, 
They clearly have been invited. I think that has become clear. They are welcome. The official RSVP date, I think, has come and gone now, Matt, and we, we still don't know if they're coming. D what, what do you think? Well, they're a very special case, aren't they? We, we're, talking, we're spending a lot of time talking about who might or might not attend this, this, this coronation, and these are the ones that we may have to wait till very close to the actual big day to see mm. if they turn up. I think they will, I think they're having a lot of discussions. I think there's been a lot of emails back and forth, a lot of contact back and forth about certain conditions and where they're gonna be, where they're gonna sit, how everything's gonna act. I think they will regret it if they don't turn up. I think history won't look very kindly on them, but I think they're looking for some kind of reassurance or some kind of um, role within the weekend that they can actually feel part of this coronation. And, of course, and we now know that they won't have a role on the balcony. Mm. We, we know that when, I mean, the Queen, I think I'm right in saying, had seven um, balcony shots, seven wave moments of waving to the crowds. We don't know if uh, Charles is going to come out that many times, but we do know that it's only working roles that are going to be on the balcony. Only working roles, and I think that, that shows that Harry and Meghan were never in the plans to do that. Again, like you're talking about, it, of course it makes sense. No Andrew, because you know, he's, he's fallen uh, in disgrace, has, has been well documented. And if you have him, you have the Harry and Meghan question. And I think, again, showing what the future of the monarchy is, mm -hmm. is very important to Charles, mm -hmm. and to have working royals um, is, is a perfect representation of that. So we're talking about demands of what, is, uh, what the Sussexes have, have been making. I'm sure there are the discussions behind the scenes, and I don't think we'll have some form of announcement that they are coming. We'll probably just see them turn up. Well, well you think we won't know till the day or till the week? I think we'll see them turn up in the, day, in the days before, but I, I can't I see there'll be some of the big announcements. I think it'll be like with the Platinum Jubilee, you know, 72 hours before. We'll just, they'll just be again, there. Ge genuinely, they, they sh should not want to detract from any of what the, the occasion of what's going on because they're, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah. So it's best well, to just... They didn't detract from any of the other events. No. You give them credit. The Platinum Jubilee, Jubilee they, were put yeah. on the, they were put very far away from, from William the King at the, uh, the St Paul's Memorial. And they did. They stayed in the background and at the funeral as well. They did what they were asked to do. Yeah. When William and Catherine asked them to come out to, to see the flowers, they came out and did that. And when they told to where to stand and where to walk, they did. And there is a blueprint there, I think, that they can attend and stop talking about the people who are in the crowd and help put the focus on the King and the Queen because it's their big day. And of course we know that it's also Archie's big day isn't it? It's Archie's yeah. fourth birthday on the day of the coronation and am I right in thinking that the Queen's funeral it was Lilibet's yeah. birthday yeah. and they had that tea party. It was the Platinum the Jubilee. It was the Platinum Jubilee. It was at Frogmore they had uh, some members of the family around, uh, the, the fringe members of the family and, and lots of children. There was a lot of noise at Frogmore Cottage that day <laughs> and then there's some lovely pictures of Lilibet and I think they took Lilibet to see the Queen. Mm -hmm. um, on that day as well. So there is a way to make it work yeah, if everyone definitely. behaves themselves and doesn't be too silly. Quite a big if. And of course you mentioned Frogmore there and we saw Harry came over for that, that court case of course a few days ago and we were told that he'd spent some time at Frogmore possibly packing it up because again talking of evictions we know that they are going to be to be moving out of them so that might still be a fear, still be a, a source of of some sort of bad feeling? Yeah, potentially, yes. Um, 
but and also let's remember that he is going to be back um, later on this month after the coronation uh, for another court case. So I think, yeah, it, there's definitely scope for them to be here. I think they will be here. I think, yeah, they probably are packing up Frogmore as well, but it doesn't mean that um, they'll never come back to the UK ever again, you know? All right, well, still lots of questions to be answered about, about the coronation, but we certainly have had a few details uh, this week. Um, that is all we've got time for. My thanks to Afir and Matt and Russell. If you want to join in with the debate, make sure you leave a comment. We'll be back next week with all the latest on the royal family. Hope you can join us then. See you.